0: text for this morning's sermon is 1st Samuel 2 verses 1 through 36 1st Samuel 2 1 through 36 and Hannah prayed and said my heart exalts in the Lord my strength is exalted in the Lord my mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation there is none holy like the Lord there is none besides you There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and He exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them He has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointing. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, and the boy ministered to the Lord in the presence of Eli the priest. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. The custom of the priests with the people was that when a man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand, and he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or a cauldron or pot. All that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is what they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Moreover, before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, "'Give meat for the priest to roast, "'for he will not accept boiled meat from from you, but only raw.' And if the man said to him, "'Let them burn the fat first, and then take as much as you wish,' he would say, "'No,' You must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. Thus the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord, for the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy clothed with a linen ephod, and his mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children by this woman, for the petition she asked of the Lord. So then they would return to their home. Indeed, the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. And the young man Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. Now Eli was very old. And he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all Israel and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, it is no good report that I hear the people of the Lord spreading abroad. If someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen. To the voice of their father, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. Now the young man Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord, and also with man. And there came a man of God to Eli, and said to him, Thus the Lord has said, Did I indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt, or when they were in Egypt, subject to the house of Pharaoh? Did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? I gave to the house of your father all my offerings by fire from the people of Israel. Why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded and honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves on the choicest part of every offering of my people Israel? Then, in distress, you will look with envious eye on all the prosperity that shall be bestowed on Israel, and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. The only one of you, whom I shall not cut off from my altar, shall be spared to weep his eyes out, to grieve his heart, and all the descendants of your house shall die by the sword of men." And this that shall come upon your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, shall be the sign to you, both of them shall die on the same day. And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest, who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house, and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever." and everyone who is left in your house shall come to implore him for a piece of silver or a loaf of bread, and shall say, Please put me in one of the priest's places that I might eat a morsel of bread.
1: Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this Word that is from You. We know this is the inspired Word of God. God, I thank You that You put Yourself on display here. Lord, I pray You would help us as we consider Your workings, the way You work salvation. I would pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title of my sermon is In the Midst of Evil Days, listen to her song and sing. Don't worry, we're not going verse by verse through all of those verses. (laughs) But I believe this ancient text is so... Amazingly practical for us as Christians today. What kind of days are we living in? Are the days evil days? You know, this is what we hear. Our religious liberties are being taken away. Abortion, wars, volatile economy, pornography. Weak churches, false teachers, immoral pastors abound. Pastors who have forgotten that God has spoken and they speak their own words rather than words from God. ISIS, persecution, imprisonment, media, iPhones, drones. We live In crazy times. And you stroll in Christian circles for very long and you hear all about it. You hear all about what is going on. And I was thinking, if we were going to take all of our talk, all of our thinking, and make a song out of it, I thought, what might that song be like? Now, I'm no songwriter, and I definitely am tone deaf and can't sing. So what I've decided to do here seems crazy now. It seemed like a good idea (laughs) when you guys weren't here. But let me sing to you the song Christians might sing. Don't laugh too hard. Chase, you can cut the camera now too. This is not going on YouTube. Religious liberties are gone. Abortion wars, volatile economy, and pornography is on. Weak churches, false teachers, immoral pastors abound. Pastors who've forgotten that God has spoken and are marrying men all, men to men all around. You guys are supposed to be laughing. I'm not trying to be serious here. <laughs> ISIS, persecution, imprisonment is sure. Not to mention that one candidate. You know her. (laughs) Materialism, media, iPhones, big drones. Okay, I'll spare you. (laughs) Uh, When we laugh, because we think it's funny, but if we listen to Christians talk, we would think that this is what they're driving around listening to. The days are evil. Look at it. Look how horrible it is. And the amazing thing is, today is not much different than the days when this text took place when Hannah lived. Remember, we're at the transition point between the judges and the kings in Israel. And during the time of the judges, Israel's in Canaan, in the Promised Land, but people do not know the Lord. They're doing what seems right in their own eyes. Judges 21-25 summarizes those days. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes if you were an Israelite and they were singing a song, that song would be doom and gloom. Because all the promises didn't seem to be happening. The promised land didn't seem to be a place flowing with milk and honey that's so great and that they're going to be a blessing to the nations. And yet we saw a very insignificant family, Alcana and Hannah and Alcana's other wife, Peninnah, we saw a little soap opera playing out last week where one of Alcana's wives, Panina is fertile, has all sorts of children, and is constantly bugging Hannah. Year after year, as they celebrate in Shiloh. The tent of meeting is in Shiloh. It's not in Jerusalem yet. This is where the high priests are. This is where Eli is the priest and his two sons are priests in Shiloh. And things are very, very dark. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to first look at Hannah's song. We're not going to spend a ton of time here. But I just want to show you the, the feeling of the song. We talked about it last week. But her song is really in three different sections as you can see uh, in your notes. In the first three verses, she sings or prays, Half the commentaries say this is a song. Half of them say this is a prayer. It's definitely a prayer, but our prayers are songs, so don't get hung up on that. She prayed this. She sang it. However you want to think of that. But the first three verses, she speaks about how God gave her salvation. You can look at the my's. My heart exalts. My mouth derides my enemies. In verse 3 she says, Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is is a God of knowledge. By Him all actions are weighed. So you get this theme of the arrogant. And she's saying God knows everything. So humble yourself, man. Don't be arrogant. God knows it. God has exalted me. And then she goes from her personal salvation to how God works in general in the middle part of this song. And we have the theme here of the mighty and the weak, the rich and the poor, the arrogant and the humble, and how God will raise up the humble, feed the poor, make rich the poor, tear down the strength of the mighty, build up the strength of the weak, the mighty are broken, the feeble bind on strength. Verse 4, the barren woman will have seven and the one who has many children will be forlorn. You just see this reversal that she speaks about. She says, this is what the Lord is like. Now think for a minute. They are living in evil days. And the context is a sad time in Israel, but there's a song being sung. There's a baby being Born in the midst of this. Truth is being told. And then the last half of this song, we see not how God works in general, but how He'll work in the end. In verse 9, He says, He will guard the feet of His faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. He says there's a time when the wicked will be cut off In the future, you don't see it yet, but it's coming. And then we see verse 10, this amazing prophecy. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them He will thunder in heaven. Judgment will come on the wicked. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. And this, He will give strength to His King and exalt the horn of His anointed. There is no king in Israel. Everyone's doing what's right in his own eyes. It will not always be that way. This song sings hope in the midst of darkness and no hope. And so we see this song she sings and it shines as a bright light in the midst of a dark time in Israel. And then that brings us to these five points. So in light of where Israel is, evil days, this song Hannah's singing, what do we learn from the rest of chapter 2? It's as if this is how God works. He tears down the proud and gives grace to the humble. He raises up the poor. And then we just see examples of this all the way through the rest of chapter 2 all the way through first and 2 Samuel, and it ends with a song, with three songs at the end of second Samuel where he's singing, this is our God. This is what He does. So in a sense, the rest of this sermon is the illustration we have in the text with Hannah and Elkanah and Samuel. So you have this family. And then you have Eli and his sons. And you're going to see one raising up and one being torn down. And there's five things that I want us to take from this. The first one is this. In the midst of evil days, know that God is working. First of all, let's look at how evil it is in Israel. Look at verse 12. Here's what we read about the priests in Shiloh. This would be like your pastor, your spiritual leaders, the ones that are supposed to be obeying the Word of God. We read in verse 12, Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. And then we're told of what they do. So as the people come once a year to bring their offerings before the Lord, they sacrifice their animal and they bring it to the priests so that they can do with it what they're supposed to do. What we find is they're not doing anything like what they're supposed to do according to Leviticus 7, verses 28-30. through As the people come and bring their offering, they're supposed to give the right thigh to the priests and then the breasts of the meat after it's been boiled to the Lord. So the fat can be boiled as an offering to the Lord. And we get this picture of these two sons of Eli. And as people come and they bring their offering and they give them what their due is, they want more. And so they send a servant in to the pot and they stick a fork in and they take more. Rather than letting it burn as an offering to the Lord, these two wicked sons grab meat, take it, even though they've probably already been given their portion. And not only that, when the people say, let the fat burn first... They'll come and they'll even take meat before it's thrown in and they'll take it by force. Can you imagine? These are the ones leading Israel, the spiritual leaders, saying, who cares about what God says? I'll take your offering by force. These are wicked, wicked days. Can you imagine being an Israelite? at this time. What would you be talking about? What would everyone be talking about? What would your complaint be? And then not only that, look at verses 22 and 23. We read, now Eli was very old and he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all Israel, and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And He said to them, "'Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil doings from all these people. Know, my sons, it is not no good report that I hear from the people of the Lord spreading abroad. If someone sins against man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him?' but they would not listen to the voice of their father, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. Can you imagine? We know that there was women who would serve in the tabernacle and the two priests are sleeping with the women and Eli hears about it from the people. The people know their leaders are wicked. There's the spiritual leaders, they priests. They mock their offerings they bring. They spend it on themselves. But as you read this text, it seems choppy. Eli and his family, I mean, just, just kind of look at your Bible here. Verse 11 talks about how Sam, Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence Of Eli the priest. Oh, that seems positive. Then, verses 12 through 17, we hear about Eli's wicked sons. But then, in verses 18 through 21, we see Samuel is talked about again how his mom brings him a robe every year, how she has more children. Good news. Then we go back to Eli's wicked sons in verses twenty through two through twenty-five. And then in verse twenty-six we get this little snippet that wrote that Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor of the Lord. And then we see judgment on Eli. In eighty percent of this text is evil days, evil days, evil days. But there's this drumbeat of hope. But there's this little boy. And he's Samuel. And there's this other family that's blessed. And what we need to remember is when no one else sees it, God has not stopped working. In evil days, when things seem hopeless, know that God is at work. Christians. We should not be the people singing that horrible song I sang. Not just because it was in bad tone. The content is bad. We have Bibles that point us to a sovereign God that chooses an insignificant woman and says, I'm still working my promises. I have not stopped when things Look, doom, and gloom. Second point. In the midst of evil days, honor God for he is merciful. Look at verse 29. A man of God in verse 27 comes to Eli and says, basically, Did I not set up the priesthood? Did I not give you a privilege? And then verse 29, he says, Why then have you scorned my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded for my dwelling? He's speaking to Eli now. And honor your sons above me by fattening yourself on the choicest parts of every offering of my people Israel. Now, Eli did not approve of his son's behavior, but he did nothing about it. His son still had a job in the temple in the midst of taking God's glory and throwing it down. In the midst of evil days, honor God, not man, even if it's your own sons and daughters. Eli's great sin is he knew what they were doing was wrong. He knew their job as being in the line of Aaron and fulfilling everything God commanded in that temple, and he did not act. He let his sons stay there. This is a temptation. This is a temptation for us. We live in a culture where niceness is described as loving. Loving. Where we know some things are right, and in a sense would be loving if we confronted them, but in the name of niceness, what do we do? Oh, I'm going to honor man even though God's glory is thrown to the dust. In the midst of evil days, don't fear man, honor God. Hear the song. Listen about our God. He is God. He gives life. He kills. He's the one we honor. And then the second part of this, in the midst of evil days, honor God for He is merciful. Who's honoring God? here. Hannah, she doesn't care that Eli's there in chapter 1. She pours out her heart before God. She's not worrying about what man thinks. She pours out her heart before God. God is her only hope. She pleads to Him. And look at how merciful God is to Hannah. I want you to look at verses 18-21 through in chapter 2. Here's where we see God's mercy. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy clothed with a linen ephod. And his mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Can we get all the, aw, that's sweet. She brought him to the temple. How could you leave your son there? But she's home knitting him, his robe, a little bigger one every year. And then we get this. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children by this woman for the petition she asked of the Lord. So they would return to their home Indeed, the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. And the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. She prayed for one son, and she said, I'll give him away. And here we have Elkanah and Hannah right off, never to be talked about again in the Bible. Blessed of God. Their hope was in the Lord in the midst of evil days. And you just see the mercy of God. He is so merciful. In John 1.16, we read, For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The one who trusts in the Lord will get more grace than you can ever imagine. You remember what Peter said to Jesus in Mark 10.28? Peter began to say to Him, See, we've left everything and followed You. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake or for the Gospels who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. God is merciful. Listen, do not honor man, honor God. God is merciful. The third thing we can take from this text, in the midst of evil days, listen to the Word of God. Shut off the news and read God's Word. Hear God's Word. We have this mysterious character come onto the scene in verse 27, we don't know anything about him. We don't know where he came from, but here's what we read. And there came a man of God to Eli and said to him, thus says the Lord. And you want, you want to know what he speaks? He speaks judgment to him. You will be cut off. This wicked priesthood will not be forever. There will be a priest who is a good priest and he will go on forever. And we see that God speaks. God sends a messenger. God tells us reality. You see, we just cannot... If you read your Bible or... If you don't read your Bible, you don't listen to preaching, you aren't talking to believers, speaking the promises to each other, we will be angry, scared, hiding in our home type of Christians singing doom and gloom. But in the midst of evil days, listen because God is speaking. God hasn't quit working. God is still working. we read in, at the end uh, after the judgment of all these things. After the judgment that will come upon on Hophni and Phineas, He says, Both of them shall die on the same day in verse 34. And then in verse 35 we read this, I'll raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind, and I'll build a sure house for him, and he shall go in and out before the Lord's anointed forever. God is speaking. God's saying, it won't always be like this. Your priests won't always be wicked. Salvation is not over. Know where you're at. Christian, know where you're at. We are not living in the new heavens or new earth right now. We are not there yet, but God's promises are sure and He is still working today. This prophecy was fulfilled first by Zadok. We read in 1 Kings 2.26 that Solomon... uh, put Zadok in the priesthood. And we see the fulfillment. We, here's what we read. And to Abathar, the priest, the king said, Go to Anath, to your estate, for you deserve death. But I will not at this time put you to death because you have carried the ark of the Lord God before David my father and because you shared in all my father's affliction. So Solomon expelled Abathar from being priest to the Lord thus fulfilling the word the Lord had spoken concerning the house of Eli in Shiloh. So Zadok becomes priest. And we know that Zadok dies and there is a faithful high priest that will forever offer himself at, as sacrifice for His people and the person of Christ. So in the midst of evil days, listen to the Word of God. You cannot be the type of Christian God wants you to be if you fill your mind with 99% doom and gloom. Write this down. This is what the news is. The news is the world minus God. Everything that's going on in the world minus out all the talk about Samuel. Minus out all the promises about a faithful priest. That's what the news is. They're not reading you the Word of God. And so if that's all you hear, you will be singing doom and gloom. You won't be singing Hannah's song. Number four, in the midst of evil days, listen to another song. This I love the Bible. I love how it fits together. You just can't believe it. A thousand years later, Hannah seems to ride off into the sunset, happily ever after. But there's another set of evil days, where the leaders in Israel are stealing from widows by putting burdens on. People raising themselves up, but some insignificant woman who is a virgin is given a promise of a son, and she sings a song. listen to the song listen to see if you can see how it's so much like hannah's song luke one forty six and Mary said. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. God raises up the humble. For behold, now on all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy in it is His name. And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. That was our sermon last week. He exalts those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy He spoke to her fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her, that's Elizabeth, for three months and returned to her home. Is not our God amazing? What song does God want us to hear? I will judge the earth. I will make all accounts right. And I will show mercy to the humble here's the deal if you want to separate the people into the proud or the humble or the rich and the poor figuratively speaking there's two types of people there's those who in their arrogance think i'll be all right standing before god i'm good enough i'm going to go to heaven with my own good works And the song that Hannah sings, the song that Mary sings, is no weak little, oh, feel-good song. It's about a king. And it's about a judge who will tear down the proud. But then there's those who recognize that they're proud and they're arrogant and their good works are like filthy rags. And they hear about the God of the universe. And they fall down on their faces with contrite hearts that tremble before God, that pour out their heart hopeless like Hannah did. God will raise them up. God will bring them into His kingdom and they will reign in a place where there will be a perfect priest where there will be a perfect king in a perfect kingdom, all accounts right in. In the midst of evil days, hear the song. Because if our song is doom and gloom, then we tell the world, there is no judgment day. There is no writing of wrongs. And this world is about me getting what I want now. And that's not our message. Our message is God is on His throne, even in the midst when it seems like He is not here. God is working. I am excited to see what God is doing in the hearts of Americans in 2015 that the news will never report. I just went to a conference where there's new churches in South Dakota and North Dakota that God is raising up to stand to be willing to go to prison singing about their God who is righteous. God is working. And the final point is this. In the midst of evil days, don't just listen to the song, sing the song. The song is the Gospel. The hope in our God. You and I are surrounded by death. People who are spiritually dead, dark world, broken life, broken marriages, abuse, everything we can imagine. And we can go to work singing doom and gloom, or we could sing the song that the Lord gives us through Hannah, through Mary through our bleeding Savior who offers Himself for us so that we can be... We're the only people that sing. Christians are marked by our songs. That's odd. We're a singing people. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that in the midst of darkness, You raise up Your salvation. Thank You that salvation is in Your hands no matter what it looks like on the outside. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.